Okay, Cam. Okay, Cam, I see you, I see you. I picture that Bill Belichick is smiling, maybe even giggling someplace. Cam Newton now in Foxborough. Oh, snap. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Monday, June 29th, 2020. I had to check myself because I don't typically do episodes on Mondays, but I want to uh, welcome in one of my co-hosts. I think I've had a f- like three or four so far throughout the uh, throughout the show's running. And uh, my good buddy, Nick, what's up? Welcome. Thank you for joining me. It actually was your idea to do this. So uh, yeah, I say welcome and we'll dive right in. Thank you very much for having me, Pody. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to doing a little surprise Monday episode for you and all your viewers out there that uh, are eagerly waiting your new podcast on Friday. But we'll give them a little snippet into the Monday action of sports today. So thank you again for having me. Yeah, no problem. We'll give them a, a, just a little bit, a little taste just a little of taste. what's to come. Um, it's, it's appropriate considering the news that dropped uh, yesterday afternoon. And when I saw it, I immediately, I jumped in our boys chat and I just said, well, you know, F me, right? Because as a Jets fan, uh, this couldn't have been more perfect for the New England Patriots. They lose Tom Brady. They go out and they sign a former MVP in Cam Newton of the Carolina Panthers. And I, I expected this. This was not like something out of left field. It was only a matter of time before Cam Newton, uh, you know, signed somewhere. And um, you know, it, it's an it, it puts us in a interesting spot. I know realistically this wasn't a year for the Jets to to make any moves or anything. Um, but who knows if we'll even have a season? Um, according to you know Anthony Fauci, what he says, uh, we're supposed to get a second wave, and right now Florida is a mess in its own right. But um, Adam Schefter reported this yesterday afternoon. It is a one-year uh, incentive-laden deal. Okay, um, and here's what he had to say on the Patriots signing Cam Newton. There was not a strong market for Cam Newton services. There was very little market for his services. Cam Newton recognizes he's not going to land an outright starting job. He's not going to get one of these 30 plus million dollar a year jobs. And he's got to take the best deal with the best opportunity. What better opportunity than to go to a Super Bowl contender in New England that just lost Tom Brady and try to replace the greatest quarterback of all time in an offense that's hummed the last 20 years with Brady at the helm. So let me ask you, I want to get your thoughts real quick uh, on how you view this, because you're an AFC West guy, Broncos fan. What do you th- what do you see from Cam Newton and the Patriots from an outsider's perspective looking in on the AFC uh, East? Well, I think the cool thing that we have in common is that we both have a mutual disrespect towards the New England Patriots. Uh, right. But as early as when free agency started, you really started to hear rumors about Cam going to a team like the Patriots. Uh, the quarterback carousel that was going around, all these guys flying off the charts pretty early. And Cam was left to kind of pick up the dust and reevaluate himself and continue to just kind of self-promote himself on social media that, hey, I'm striving to be healthy. I'm trying to get there. And an opportunity is going to come my way. And I'm going to jump on it. It took a little bit longer than expected. But early on, I think we all kind of tied 
uh, the line between the Patriots and someone like Cam Newton, six foot five, two hundred fifty pound, athletic quarterback, has a couple mechanical problems, but he's a proven starter in the NFL. Nine years, he currently ranks tenth, um, I believe, on active quarterbacks for most uh, games started. So he's a tough guy. He sat out most of last year. He played one game, got hurt, and we all know the story. The Panthers kind of dwindled, but um, uh, for me. I kind of hated Tom Brady more than I actually hate the organization of the Patriots. Uh, But kind of looking out without a bias towards them, I like this move a lot. I think it positions them to open up a playbook that they've been so conservative with, with Tom Brady at the helm, uh, totally focused on being a complete pocket passer, uh, accurate route running, reliable receivers, which uh, they kind of lacked in uh, a a couple – Uh, previous seasons, but they still have Julian Edelman. They still have the best coach in the NFL within uh, Bill Belichick, and they have an offensive-minded genius still on the staff in Josh McDaniels, who I see completely benefiting from this signing. And I know that it's not one of the flashiest signings uh, this offseason, but I can't underscore how much I actually, to be honest with you, Pody, I actually like this signing a lot. I hate to say it, but I think I'm right there with you. Now, of course, as a New York Jets fan, I hope that the New England Patriots crash and burn. This is interesting, though, because for Bill Belichick, you know, if you can't beat him, go get him. Cam Newton, one of only two quarterbacks that have gone undefeated against Bill Belichick. Cam Newton went 2-0. and There is one other quarterback out there, and you might know it. You might know who it is, possibly, who actually uh, went 3-0 and against Bill Belichick in his career. He's no longer a quarterback in the league, but you want to take a stab at this, who it is? I'm assuming it's the sheriff you're referring to. I'm assuming it's Peyton Manning. It is not. What? Spill it the is, beans. It is, in fact, Jake Plummer. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Going that far back? Okay, I can respect that. I have yeah, a Plummer so- jersey. Surprisingly enough, I, I was shocked when I when I saw that tweeted out earlier uh, this morning. I believe it was, but um, some other uh, some other numbers I just want to point out is that the odds makers in Vegas, you like the move, and I kind of like the move. It's sneaky, it's good, not a lot of you know risk, and the odds makers surprisingly, I think I, I saw anywhere from they're giving them half a game to a game and a half improvement with Cam Newton over the second year uh, rookie Jared Stidham. So I was a little surprised at that, but that all hinges on Cam's Cam's health. That's been the problem. He hasn't played in too many games over the past season and a half. Okay. Um, Of course you can't, when he is healthy, he's only 31. And most guys, this is when they start to hit their prime of their career. Most guys, you know, really start to, to hone in and start winning some Super Bowls at this age, 39 games with both a passing and rushing touchdown for Cam Newton that is an NFL record he had uh what he v- got this is the problem with a guy like Cam Newton you saw it with RG3 a guy that likes to to move around a- a- and rush the ball a little bit did that a lot early on in his career and because he's so big he was able to take those hits but as he got a little bit older not so much 1,235 plays contacted since 2011. That leads all quarterbacks during that span, which is precisely why he's been so injury-plagued for the better part of the last few seasons. Um, Unfortunately, this is a little concerning. 
Uh, 34.3 total QBR since week 10 of 2018. I think that is second worst in the league. And he was 0-8 over that span. But again, like I said, only 31. And that's, of course, I'm sure what the Patriots were looking at is that, you know, they could, it's Bill Belichick. He can turn anything to gold. Okay. And um, he's rehabbing from that foot surgery, which kept him, put him on IR after week two last season. And um, he's, you know, he did pass a physical on March 23rd. That's the key there. But again, the reason that I think he stayed on the market so long is because of the pandemic with COVID. Okay. He was not able to work out for any teams. And like I said, I'm not surprised by this signing. I think the, the Vegas had it go when Ron Rivera became the head coach of the, of the Redskins, there was rumblings. He might go there just because of that connection, but it was really just, it was the Redskins. It was the Patriots and maybe the chargers. Okay. So the fact that he goes to the Patriots, really not a surprise at all. Um, but again, his injury history is a little bit concerning. And this is why I hate to say this, but I would love to see Jamal Adams still on the New York Jets. Well, he is right now, but everything going on with him, he tweets about this saying he salutes Belichick. It's like, bro, you're on the rival team, the New York Jets. You, you don't salute Bill Belichick for anything as long as you're a part of this team. But we all know that he's trying to get out. He wants to go to Dallas and whatnot, but he would be a perfect player to lock in on on Cam Newton and keep him contained in that pocket. But yeah, like you said, Josh McDaniels, he's a genius. He's going to find ways for this guy. And they're now back to being the front runners in the AFC East. In my opinion, it was maybe Buffalo. They were riding off, writing off the Patriots, but I think it's back to being, uh, the Patriots, uh, not conference, but they have a chance there too, but it's definitely the Patriots division to lose yet again. So just another blow as a, you know, lonely New York Jets fan over here. I think the AFC East just instantly regained an even level of playing field and a complete toss up for who was going to come out of that division. Um, real quick, before I get to my Jamal Adams point, I will, I just want to bring up this about Cam. It's almost ironic that they go from having the greatest quarterback, arguably of all time, where if you were to even breathe on him or touch him in the face, that a yellow piece of cloth was going to come flying out of a referee's waist. And now they go in the direction of one of the most physical, he can tolerate almost any type of hit in the NFL, and the refs will just not throw any type of flag uh, their way for that team that Cam's on. I think that is one of the more overlooked points that people aren't talking about. Tom Brady would get a flag if you tackled him anywhere close to his ankle. Cam Newton can literally get laid out, helmet to helmet hit. He's on the ground, face into the turf, almost unconscious, and the ref is not even blinking an eye. So I think that's going to be a pretty cool storyline to follow. It just goes to the to how biased the league is towards certain quarterbacks and stuff like that. But that's Something that Belichick always had up his sleeve is that he could rely on Brady to maybe take a dive or step into a hit that was definitely towards his head, get an easy 15 yards, keep the drive going, whereas now they're going to have to run option plays. Cam's going to take a beating, and they've never been known to have a really good offensive line in New England. They've had a couple studs come in and out over the years. Uh, they lose a couple left tackles after they show the Brady effect where you can protect the best quarterback in the league decently. So you move on, you get a nice little lucrative contract. Uh, but um, 
it's even more reason right now that the Jets need to do anything that they can to damage control the situation and save Jamal Adams. I know there's a lot of Jet fans out there that want him to just kick rocks and get the hell out of Dodge. Um, but I'm one of those people that I think that if they can make it work then they and they keep him, then they should because a, f- a free safety like that, that has that playmaking ability, that his first three uh, years in the NFL and his stats compare that to only J.J. Watt over that time span, it's a testament to the type of player he is. It's just it's not his fault that the market in the NFL is dictated by need by position, and this and sadly safety is not one of those. Uh, but I think if the Jets keep that, that's a strong uh, box play safety for them. Um, this this AFC East, their offense is very spread out, very run oriented, and a player like Jamal Adams benefits greatly from this. But um, hey, if he chooses to get trade, if he wants to get traded, and the Jets actually make that move. And he wants to go play on a, a dwindling one-year contract and kind of sign with a team after that for big money that he thinks he's earned, then so be it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think that everything after that signing yesterday, everything changes. If I'm the New York Jets, I put my ego aside for a second. Or not even ego, what you want to call it. It's just, you know, they don't need to pay him because he's under contract, whatever. I think you put it all aside. I know he's been a diva, this, that, and the other. But I think, honestly, I think you have to uh, swallow your pride and just pay the man. Like you said, it's it's not really that fair that position dictates um, you know, what what should you know, what you're getting paid and safety really isn't one of those, you know, positions where you you know you're supposed to get a lot too much money, but um, I really don't care at this point. I, I think you do whatever you can to sign him because this Patriots team is going to be a problem and it, it's it's not going to be good. I also think that for last quick point on this team, uh, on this Patriots signing, is that I think you saw a little bit of a sample size with um, with. Josh McDaniels having to use Jacoby Brissett during the four-game suspension of Deflategate. There was, I think he started two games after Jimmy G got hurt. And one of those games, they had about eight designed runs that he took for 48 yards. If they could keep it in that area with Cam and he could make smart decisions, the key that you brought up, though, too, was that uh, offensive line. Um, the Jets have a terrible O-line, but last year was one of the worst O-line performances I saw from the New England Patriots. So this whole point is going to be moot if the Pats can't form a solid offensive line. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing most of all. I think the Pats definitely uh, are in a good position right now to almost mimic what the Baltimore Ravens and their rivals in the AFC did this past season. A very run-oriented okay. offense, a very pass option, uh, pass run option, heavy offense. Uh, they, I don't think they're going to allow Cam to be Cam as much as he was in uh, Carolina. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they want to polish a couple things up on him, and I think they want to keep him healthy for the season. I think right now, if you were to say the season's starting tomorrow, Cam's going to be the starter in New England. Um, nothing against Stidham, but when you have a former first-round pick in the NFL draft and former MVP in 2015, I think somebody that has that type of personality, that flamboyancy to him, he dresses to impress, he'll show up to a picnic and he's wearing a, uh, you know, a $15,000 outfit. He, he walks the walk and he talks the talk, and he may not be a Belichick-style quarterback, but what he brings to that offense and what he brings to that organization, is they're, they're in rebuild right now. They're trying to 
maintain their high status in the NFL. They're in a division that it's not technically a cakewalk, but these other teams just can never catch up to the Patriots and what they do year after year, and, and they can never duplicate it. Um, but I just really like the signing. Yeah, um, the signing it, it, it it's it's going to be interesting. If that's for sure. Um, I think it's going to work out because you know it's Bill Belichick and everything works out, and that'll segue into our uh, next segment. And we'll talk more Patriots because guess what? And this is my theory. I think they they signed Cam Newton yesterday because they knew that this story was coming out and they were totally ready to cover it up with this signing. So here it is. The Pats get hit with a fine of $1.1 million and they lose next year. So 2021's third round draft pick. And this all stemming from get wait for it their uh, filming of the Bengals sideline in week 15 last year. The Bengals, who, mind you, had one win, I believe, against the New York Jets at the time of this um, filming. So apparently it was supposed to be for some website series or some BS that they tried to, to twist. But again, this is a slap on the wrist, as it always is, for the New England Patriots. It's why it's why Roger Goodell is the most hated commissioner in all of sports because he continues to let them get away with, you know, cheating after cheating after cheating. Although I think Deflategate wasn't really too big of a deal in my opinion. But yeah, this is just um, another one of those stories that I think they covered up by signing Cam Newton because not too many people are talking about it this morning. No, not too many cover. No, not too many people covered that at all. It was like a two week thing. You're playing the worst team in the NFL and you're and you're using cameras to cheat. It's just it got blown over too fast, and then I agree with you. I think they dropped this this uh, signing because they knew that the story was going to come out, and they were going to lose a third round pick and get fined. But um, that's just sports politics for you. That's just how it is. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, it's kind of like what we saw a little bit with the Yankees about maybe at the beginning of the month with this whole notion that they were part of this cheating scandal, and then this judge ordered this letter to be opened and we really didn't hear much from it after that. So the teams that bring in the most revenue and are good for the sport, uh, the commissioner is going to try, you know, to, to push that stuff under the rug. So it doesn't get leaked to the, to, to the public eye. Okay. Um, moving right along, let's talk real quick about, um, sad news to, to, uh, to bring to you guys here. Longtime coach Joe Bugle has died at the age of 80. He coached in the league for 32 years, most notably with the Redskins as their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach during the Joe Gibbs Super Bowl era. He's best known as the architect of the Hogs offensive line of Redskin glory days and is regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches of all time. I think he had a couple stints coaching uh, head coaches, head coach of the Cardinals and maybe the Raiders, and then he came back in the late 80s to the um, to the Redskins. So yeah, 80 years old and... Uh, yeah, Redskins fans, they know him, they love him, and uh, yeah, lost a good one. Uh, real quick, Ant, I just want to uh, fill some of the fans in on um, some UFC news over the weekend. We had probably one of the best UFC fight nights in recent memory that I can remember, where two top five uh, lightweights met in the main event. On Saturday, the 27th, Dustin Poirier fought Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, the uh, fifth-ranked lightweight in the division. Dustin Poirier, the third. In a five-round, every hit looked like it was going to knock the guy out. 
brawl. It was an absolute slugfest. The first two rounds, Dan Hooker was looking like a beast. All he landed was shot after shot on Poirier's cheek and his eye. He was bloodied. He was battled. And they went to the end of the second round. Poirier must have heard something in his corner because he came out with vengeance. He ended up dominating majority of the rest of the fight. It was a instant classic, one of the best UFC fight nights of all time. And Poirier won at the end of the fifth round by a a unanimous decision taking the victory. And um, it opens up a lot of opportunities for this crazy, crazy lightweight division. You got uh, the UFC Fight Island is uh, supposedly making an appearance. I think a video has surfaced of what it's going to look like, but I'm not sure. I can't 100% confirm that. Dude, I cannot wait for Fight Island. It's going to be insane. Get your sunscreen. There's going to be UFC on the beach. It's going to be a amazing time. Dana White, a man that always lives up to his word. He promises fans something. He goes after it. He tells people he's going to get Fight Island going. He does it. Absolutely. I love him. He's one of the best commissioners and owners and CEOs in all of sports. Um, I think Roger Goodell and Manfred could really learn from something uh, that Dana White does week in, week out. And he just – he backs his fighters up. I know there's a big str- power struggle right now in the UFC because not a lot of player, not a lot of fighters uh, want to fight. Um, but Dana White has made it clear. If you want to fight in the UFC and you want to get paid – and you want to, you know, with the pandemic and everything, obviously. But if you want to fight, there's a place for you to fight. They continue to really pump out great cards week after week. A lot of people are giving him um, crap in the beginning because they were saying that uh, these cards aren't that good. These fighters are no names. And they just continue to exceed expectations and perform. And uh, I highly recommend that if you guys see on a Saturday night a UFC event coming on, whether you stream it online or you purchase it, or if you're lucky enough it's a fight night and it's a free one on ESPN, definitely check it out. It's definitely worth the three or four hours of live spectating sports that a lot of us cannot really find right now. Okay, awesome. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for Fight Island, dude. I've been uh, Dana White. That guy is one of the best entertainers in the industry, and he, he delivers. Um, what when he says he's going to do something he delivers and like you said uh you've got a lot of fighters that are sort of retiring or refusing to play john bones jones and, and, and you know um a bunch of other guys but it, the sport is still going strong uh during this pandemic the major sports have not really started up yet so yeah i can't wait for fight island okay let's take this thing and uh switch gears we'll talk real quick some nba news i mentioned it on friday's episode that J.R. Smith was a leading candidate to replace Avery Bradley, who was opting out of the NBA restart in Orlando, and that has become official. The The uh, Lakers are signing J.R. Smith, so there is that. He p- brings LeBron and, and J.R. back together. They won a championship in Cleveland. Honestly, um, he's been out of the game for like a year, but I think it is a pretty good signing. I mean, who else is really out there? Um, I've been seeing some of the guys that the Nets are signing. It really doesn't do much for me. So I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? Does he like help the the Lakers, you know, over the edge to become that championship contender? I think what it does for the Lakers, I think it gives them a level of comfortability for LeBron. He's played with JR for numerous years when they were in Cleveland together. He's a guy that can come off the bench and electrify the game, uh, chuck up a couple threes. Uh decent basketball IQ. He's a veteran. He's been Will around. Will he remember the score teams. though? 
He hopefully he remembers the score. I think LeBron has melted it in his mind by now. And after that internet <laughs> meme, he just where he's squinting his eyes and looking back. Oh man, I think that he's learned his lesson. I just hope that I mean, watching Jr. when he was on the Nuggets and the Knicks, he was just such an electrifying player. Um, and I'm honestly a little bit of a, a LeBron fan. I know you could care less about LeBron. I think you like Steph oh, Curry a barf. little bit more. But I think that LeBron's one of the more dominant players in the game. And if he can play and he's healthy, I think that it's definitely uh, instant TV for me. I always will have to tune in. And we won't even have to wait long to see him because when the season starts on the uh, 30th, on uh, July 30th, on a Thursday night, 9 p.m. on TNT, we'll be getting the Clippers at the Lakers in Orlando, technically, because it's going to be in the Disney uh, theme park. They're doing this the whole thing. Uh, you won't even have to wait long to see your Nets play. They play the following day in the 31st. They play uh, the Magic in Orlando with no fans. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm 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 eager to get basketball back. I, I've been biting at the teeth to get something to bet on, uh, get a couple parlays going, and uh, the NBA seems to be something that I can actually win with. So I'm excited for that. Um, and it's just, it's good to hear sports are actually making a comeback, especially the NBA and how many precautions they've taken for their players and for the sport in general and everyone involved where they've been able to get this isolated location in Florida and kind of resume the season. Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely makes for good TV when LeBron is contending for a championship. I just like to see him lose. Cause you know, that's me. I like to hate what I would okay. hate to see. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, no, speaking of my Nets, you brought that up. They did release the schedules. It's going to be a doubleheader to start the season um, on opening night. I didn't look at it fully just yet, but um, yeah, the Nets, I don't know what's going on right now. First, Kevin Durant had the COVID. I think a couple other guys had it. Now I'm hearing just came in like 20 minutes ago that Spencer Dinwiddie has tested positive for COVID. So, I, I mean, we're still... We're still a month out, so I don't see any issue with him missing games or anything like that, so that should be okay. But then I saw today Wilson Chandler decided to opt out of the season of the restart, citing that he wants to spend more time with his family. Bro, probably your average NBA fan doesn't even know who Wilson Chandler is. This is, you've had since March to spend time with your family. What kind of excuse is this? You don't need more time to spend with your family. No, you need to go to Orlando and help your team, you know, push forward into the playoffs. What you want to spend time with your family? Go go make those 14 game checks that you're now going to be fined and then use that money to to stay in Disney a little longer after this is all over and that's how you spend time with your family. I'm so over these players that are are are, are opting out of the season and, and you know taking a championship essentially away from their teammates who are actually all about their team that want to compete. You, you should want to, to, to be in Orlando and want to compete for a championship being that you've been without basketball since March. This is probably the longest any of these guys have gone without playing their professional sport. And the fact that you're just going to basically throw it away. And now the team has to, has to scrounge and find these scrubs to sign. Like I saw they signed Tyler Johnson from the Suns, and just, it it just, it grinds my gears, man. I think that these guys are all about me, me, me in today's day and age. And ask Michael Jordan, you don't win championships by yourself. Okay. Um, I mean, 
ask Michael Jordan, he might think so, but that's a bad example. But no, you get the point. You you need to win with five other guys, you know, with five guys on the court. And the fact that you want to stay home and not help your team win, that's to me is a joke. It's a joke. And I think when you mentioned it last week on your podcast or the week before, when you were debating with uh, the Kyrie Irving news, how he's one of the most vocal proponents for the players union about sitting out the season and not participating in the season, no matter what. And he has the backing of other players around the league. And then you get a response from somebody like Austin Rivers, who's playing almost devil's advocate with the conversation saying that, you know, there's players that rely on these checks to support their family and stuff like that. Then you kind of, you look at Wilson Chandler so you've been in the league before, man, like this might be one of your last runs that you can possibly have to get a championship. And you're on a team that is, is pretty good. They have a chance to kind of sneak in to this playoff, this new playoff model that the NBA is presenting. I, I don't understand it. If I was in the NBA, if I was Wilson Chandler, I'd be want to be, I would want to be playing in Disney. I would want to get that experience where the league is literally taking every precaution possible. But the other question I would pose would be to Dinwiddie is who are you in contact with that you're getting coronavirus? I thought these athletes were supposed to be home training. They're doing virtual training to keep in shape. They have, people that can go out and get food for them and maintain that diet for for peak performance when the season kicks back up. How is someone like that contracting coronavirus and who else was maybe in that gym with him? Was it other NBA players? Was it um, a trainer that also uh, works with other players around the league? So if I was the Nets, I'd, I'd need to handle this very swift, make sure that everyone else that was in contact with him does not leave, self-quarantine for two weeks, and you have a month until the season starts. So hopefully uh, Spencer does not see any long-term effects from the virus because Rudy Gobert came out the other day and said he still has problems smelling three months after. I did see that. Three months after he got the coronavirus. Yeah, it's it's no joke. And I think to your point, because uh, New York, it, everything is on the decline. Like they were one of the worst states to start off with as was New Jersey, Connecticut. And now they're on the decline. But I think, we, we've, I've been seeing it a lot with the golfers lately, the past couple of days and throughout the weekend as they played at the Travelers. What's happening is these trainers and like the caddies that carry their clubs for them, they're the ones that are starting to get the virus first and then they're passing it on to them. But like you said, yeah, these guys, like I get it, everything's open and you could go shopping and go to ShopRite and go to, you know, Whole Foods and whatnot. But like you have a season coming up in a month, you shouldn't really be leaving. And when, if you do have to leave, you need to cover up, you know, wear that face mask. You might not like it, but just because the cases are on the decline doesn't mean everything goes out the window and all the rules. You could just start, you know, forgetting the the socially distancing and all that. So, but I do think because it's supposed to be like trainer and player one-on-one with like nobody else in, in, in these facilities. So I think it's probably coming from the trainer or, you know, or they're getting it out in the open and they're not being careful enough, but yeah, they, they, at this point in time, you, you should be very careful with, with, with what you're doing. Okay. Uh, let's move this thing along and talk real quick about major league baseball. So I talked on Friday, how we are going to finally have a 60 game season while they officially released the I don't know if they released the full schedule, but they definitely released who's playing opening day, opening day, and it is a great matchup between your World Series champion Nationals hosting the my New York Yankees in D.C. It's going to be a classic. If everything 
uh, you know, sets up right, barring any injuries or anything like that, you're going to have one of the best pitchers in the National League, arguably uh, pitched out of his mind to help the Nats win a World Series. Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole, the highest paid pitcher of all time, making his debut for the New York Yankees. I can't wait. The Nationals are a shell of what they were when they won a World Series. They're without Anthony Rendon. They've had a lot of changes. It just came out this morning, um, I think earlier today, that um, Ryan Zimmerman is not going to is going to forego the season as well as uh, Joe Ross, a uh, relief pitcher for the Nationals, and also Mike Leake of the Diamondbacks opting out. So a lot of guys, you don't really know their names that well. Uh, Mike Leake been around for a while, but really just an okay type of pitcher. Zimmerman, of course, just won a World Series, but he's at the tail end of his career. That's what, See, that's what I don't get. You're at the very end of your career. It, it, it's like, why would you at this point in time forego and and decide you're going to you're going to opt out and I think they cited personal and family safety it seems to be this cliched response it's like dude there's never going to be a 60 game a shortened season like this ever again probably through a pandemic why not become a part of history and at least go and play because for the baseball players it's not like these NBA players where they're going to be quarantined in a bubble the baseball players are in fact going to be playing and traveling from stadium to stadium so I don't see the problem with this and why you need to spend more time with your family or be away from the team. So I think guys that are doing this are not only selfish, but I think at the back of their mind, they actually don't believe that they're going to win and that it's not worth taking a chance, you know, through this season. Uh, that That's just, that's the only explanation I could come up with in my head to rationalize why you would not want to play. I think a lot of these guys, they are so reliant on some of the salaries that they're making. And as soon as this cut is happening where they're saying, you're not going to be making as much, uh, the season isn't officially tarnished and ruined, but you're taking a, you're taking a risk to play and we want the season to continue. The fans wholeheartedly over like 80% supported a, a season with 60 or more games. So the fans want to see it. They've been dying to see the sport for the last two months. Uh, nobody, wants to wait any longer for the season to start up. So, and they have very low tolerance for some of these players that are coming out saying that they don't want to work. They don't want to work and they don't want to play this year. They're saying, okay, screw you. Then, then take the year off. We don't care. We just want to watch baseball. We want to watch the sport that we love. Uh, and, and hopefully it works out. And I think it will. I'm excited for the season to start up. I've been wearing my Yankee hat all, all the time when I go outside and walk my dog around. I cannot wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. And like you alluded to earlier, I cannot wait just to bet on sports again. It's been so long. I don't even know what it feels like anymore. Um, but anyway, we'll get back to, I have some baseball trivia for you at the end of this episode. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. But um, I just want to mention real quick, um, the Travelers Championship uh, PGA Tour event. I think this was, just took place in Connecticut, not too far from ESPN Studios. But you had Dustin Johnson holding on to win by one stroke. Um, okay. On Sunday, he went into Sunday down one or two and, um, he ended up holding on. He got, he had a three stroke lead. He kind of choked it away. And then on 18, he hit an absolute bomb, 351 yard drive. And it was over from there. So for Dustin Johnson, it's his 21st career PGA tour win. Only Tiger Woods has more over the last 15 seasons. 
He also has 13 straight seasons with a victory, which is the sixth longest streak in PGA Tour history. That is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I know DJ is a big dude and he could hit the ball a ton, but he, he's been in the news um, in recent years. He had, there was some sort of like cocaine thing maybe with him, but of course he married Wayne Gretzky's daughter. He's one of the most well-known guys on the tour. So yeah, um, he, he went to coastal Carolina. I'm, I root for, for DJ. I, I like to see somebody like that win. Um, but yeah, that's just some amazing stats that if you don't really pay attention or look closely enough, you wouldn't even know it. But uh, yeah, and then in um, other news, I just mentioned this to you right before we started. The number one high school basketball recruit in the class of 2022. If you're familiar with high school hoops, you know the name Emini Bates. He announced that he will be attending Michigan State. So that spells trouble for Rutgers, although they've started to turn things around there. So uh, yeah, I mean... It's still a couple years away, but yeah, Michigan State, they're just, a, they're like Duke. They're a powerhouse. And, and uh, yeah, he's going to be probably a one and done and straight to the N- NBA. Um, so, all right. Last but not least, I, I wanted to bring it, bring up my, I always end the show, uh, you know, on this date in sports, and it's no different today. I do have something. So I'm going to test your knowledge, um, your baseball knowledge right here. I know it's not your strong suit, but. June 29th, 2004, Randy Johnson of the Diamondbacks became the fourth pitcher to record 4,000 strikeouts when he struck out Padres' Jeff Cirillo. He would go on to finish his career with 4,875 strikeouts, second only to Nolan Ryan and first amongst all lefties. Do you know, this is the question, what Randy Johnson's nickname was? I think it's, I think it's the big unit. I'm not sure, but I I've seen the video of him throwing a pitch and just destroying a bird yes. mid-flight down. That the, is correct. Down, yeah. Yep. Everybody, I'm sure that I don't know what the views are on that video, but that is a that is classic Randy Johnson, the big unit. That is right. That's what his nickname was. Just, that to me, Randy Johnson to me is the one guy uh, that. I fear amongst all pitchers all time. He's the, well, maybe a Roldis Chapman because he throws probably just as hard, but a lefty hard throwing kind of sidearm guy, just bringing the heat upwards of a hundred miles an hour that over six, like four, just an absolute beast. I wouldn't, I, you couldn't pay me to stand up at the plate and try to hit that because I'd be so afraid that I'm going to get hit and die. Like just an absolutely intimidating, fearsome type of guy. And yes, uh, Somehow the stars aligned and he threw a pitch across home plate and a bird flew by a pigeon or something. And he absolutely exploded it. If you've never seen it, I don't know. You must be living under a rock, but oh, you've had to see it by now. It's one of the best videos. I've, I saw the video before I knew who Randy Johnson was. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But being six foot to, he looks like he loves beer more than Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin. He's six Absolutely. foot ten. I cannot imagine being a baseball player back then from like the early 90s to the 2008s, 2009s going against Randy Johnson, throwing a left, left-handed two-seam fastball down the middle. And I'm just sitting there. I'd, I'd be blown away. I wouldn't know what to do. Dude, tell me about it, right? It's just crazy. Um, I think that's going to wrap this thing up unless you have any other quick uh, – pointers you want to throw in there or anything you want oh no we missed. can end it there that was a good episode all right great um well 
we're going to try to make this maybe a, a little weekly thing on Mondays here to recap the weekend. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But I had some fun with this, and, and I'm sure you did as well. It's fun when I can add somebody else's perspective and get you know get somebody else on here to to do this with me because producing it and doing all this jazz by myself it's it takes a toll on me. It's a lot. Yeah, I like I like the uh, the format. I like the way that we were able to just talk about it. Maybe do shows on Mondays from now going forward. Whenever you want me, uh, I appreciate you having me as a guest today, Pody. And uh, I hope our, everybody has a great rest of their week. I hope they enjoyed their weekend. Uh, remember to wear your mask, stay safe uh, wherever you are in this country or the world. And uh, God bless. Thank you very much. All right, that's going to wrap this thing up, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You'll get a surprise probably in, in a couple hours or maybe in the morning when you check your phone and, and you get an update that there's a new podcast out this week. But uh, yeah, I had some fun from Nick to the Pody. You've been listening to episode 102 of This Week in Sports. We are signing out. Okay, Cam. Okay, Cam. I see you. I see you. Willing to go to New England? succeed to be the successor to Tom Brady. Oh my goodness. I like it. I like it. Can New England win the Super Bowl again? Can they do it again? I don't know Patrick Mahomes. I don't know Deshaun Watson. I don't know Lamar Jackson. I I don't know. I don't know. But I love it. Ooh. (laughs) 